Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. I have Charlotte and Phil from the Property Investment Geeks on the show. The Property Investment Geeks have been geeking since 2013 and have 31 residential lets. Charlotte and Phil, welcome to the show. Would you like to introduce yourselves and share a bit of background about the Property Investment Geeks? Hi, I'm Charlotte. So, okay, a bit of background about us. I suppose we first got into property, didn't we, about eight years ago? Yeah, yeah. So we both worked in the corporate world in sales. We still do that, although I took a break from it to work on a property portfolio. Having uh, corporate sales jobs, we also run a, a property investment company. Yeah, so basically it all started about eight years ago when we bought our first house and did it up from top to bottom, really. Did a complete refurb, so pulled kitchens out and bathrooms, replastered, redecorated the whole lot. Yeah, we really enjoyed it as well. I think that was the key thing for us. We realised spending that time on the property, that time together, we, we enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It made a big difference because it was our family home. Yes, it, it was our first home together. And we, we, we made some good bargains as well. Like the focus were closing down at the time. We got a lot of really cheap bills. We got some door handles that were supposed to be like £35. And <laughs> we got them reduced to a pound. It was brilliant. But yeah, after two years, because we basically bought a fixed mortgage for two years, and then we decided to... Move on to a town that we'd gone on a few dates called Stanford. We'd fallen in love with it. And we decided it was a financially sound idea to, to keep the first property. So without knowing it, we basically fell into a strategy called BRRR, which is buy, refurbish, refinance, rent. So we basically refinanced the property, keeping 25% equity in, in it, and then moved on to our next one. After that, we just decided to keep on going, didn't we? Yeah, we kept going uh, single-let properties. And then I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Alex Wade. He owns a a wine bar in Stanford, and he's heavily involved with HMO. He shared a lot of information. And then after that, we decided to go on a couple of courses about it, really started to, to, to look into HMO. And I think that's the key for us is we've always, we're always looking for education. We're always looking for how to evolve in what we do. So we don't just stick with something and then just stay in that place. We're always trying to push boundaries. So we went from single let, but then after we'd been on a few courses, we realised actually HMO, the yields are significantly higher. Yes, there's more time investment up front and throughout, really. But the yields can sometimes be three times more. The yields are on a single let. So yeah. that's what got us to where we are today, isn't it? So it's now been eight years and you've built a portfolio of 31 residential lets. What's been your favourite moment so far? So I take the job of, of converting. So it's my job to convert, let's say, a mid-terrace house in, in predominantly Woodston, Peterborough. And then I'll turn that into a HMO. Um, now, all of our HMO rooms have an ensuite as a minimum, and all of them have a small kitchenette. Some of them have a separate kitchen or kitchenette. So for me, my favourite moment is is when you've purchased that property, and then you, you bring in the contractors, you, you walk it around, re redesigning over and over again to get the ensuites where you want them, to maximise the space, to make good living areas, because obviously you have to adhere to uh, minimum space uh, set by Peterborough City Council for us uh, and it's that day that you walk around there's no tradesmen in there Charlotte and I will walk in you'll take the pictures yeah that's quite a satisfying moment for me when I take the pictures to put on open rent and Facebook marketplace um, and more recently Instagram um, since we've set up the Instagram page the property investment gates I think just for the three of us, there is a third investor as well. Just going from a house to going to view it, to then actually bringing a team in and converting it, and then actually walking around it once it's done. This has come from our heads. Hard work. Hard work. <laughs> I can imagine. And so from 
identifying a potential property to buying it, doing the work and then getting your first tenant in, how long does it take on average? How much work is involved? Six to nine months, depending on the size. Yeah, for us, it's slightly longer just because certainly in the early days, it was more six months. But if we're doing anything now, it's a longer period of time just because we've got a toddler and also we work in the corporate world also. So we're very busy and we have a hectic schedule. Yeah, but in the early days when you were just working on the properties, six months, yeah. it was six months. So you got into this eight years ago. What do you wish you'd known before getting into property? Yeah, yeah, I can. So <laughs> this, is, this is a common joke about the rugby club and in my family. So before Charlotte and I got into property, way before, two, three years, I worked for a company called Personal Group and we had a client called Vinci and they had a head office in the UK at the City Bank building. And I told all of my briefcase up to the 24th, 25th floor through security doors. If you've ever been to the City Bank building, you know, it's a tricky one to get in and out of and the Vinci floor even more so, because they have a scaled model of this proposed rail line that nobody had heard of, apart from people working on it. It was called the Cross Network Rail, which we all know what it is now. I looked and studied this scale model, even pointed out, oh, I've got a friend that lives there, and oh, that's not far from where I grew up, and identified places that we were gonna get rail links from east to west, and yeah, didn't react to it, because I just, wasn't keyed in. I, I, at the time, a second income wasn't, I, I'd, I'd even contemplated. Property certainly wasn't contemplated apart from uh, living in one, obviously. But yeah, that's my biggest shoulda, coulda, woulda. I guess you could just go up those floors again and see if there are any updated maps. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure they'd let me on that. <laughs> and so obviously there's three of you in the Property Investment Geeks, so it's, it's a bit of a family business. What's the plan for the next three to five years or the longer term, even beyond that? We started off with just Phil and I, and then a few years down the line, the third investor, who incidentally is my dad, came in place as well. But we started off with single let, and then we ventured into HMO. And now recognizing that between the three, we've gone through multiple educational courses and also, of course, eight years of experience doing what we do. And we actually know quite a lot now about what we do and yeah i think for eight years of experience we've made mistakes in that time as anyone does when they first move into an area that they haven't worked in before but we've, we've made some wins as well um yeah. we've been recently been recognized um by the national resident landlord association mm. in their quarterly publication sure and yeah it's just we've got something we realize we've got a lot to share so charlotte's plan yeah so we are planning on going down the online educational route, which may go into classroom education as well, but for now it's going to be online. And uh, certainly that's a plan for next year. We're already working on the course and we plan to release it hopefully by the start of quarter two. Um, but um, it may get to the end of quarter two, depending on how much running around my toddler <laughs> gives me. Yeah, that's the long-term plan. We also have a plan to utilise the gardens and the garage spaces that we have in the HMOs because we've recognised that these are actually areas that we could potentially build annexes or convert garages into another, another let. Certainly the double garages are, are big enough 
yeah, that's sort of what we've got in the pipeline for the next few years. But in terms of the educational side, just picking up on what Phil was saying, it's so important to get your education first before you venture into a marketplace like this. It can be quite easy to think, oh, I've watched a few YouTubes, I can go ahead and do that. But actually, it can be so costly if you don't get it right. Just to give you one example, we had a situation a few years ago where we um, developed this HMO. We were so proud of it. And it had five lets, and one of those lets we actually couldn't let for a short period of time because the council came into one of the rooms and said, you have to have 10% light, basically, in the room. And because um, the window only allowed 9% light... That's eight, yeah. It was 8%. Uh, we had to knock out the window and increase it by just one centimetre just to get that extra percentage of light in the room. So that was a, a costly learning curve for us. Well, it changed that happy moment when everything's done. <laughs> yeah, to, but, God damn I, it. <laughs> but again, but that, that's what we've always done. is uh, We built a relationship with, with Peterborough City Council very early, so we, we've always invited them in before we start letting. Because for us, it's really important to, to do things. We'll work closely with, city, with Peterborough City Council. And, and I think that's why we've learned so much as well, is because... Anyone can sit and think, you know what, that'll do, that'll do, we'll just do this. But the fact of the matter is, as well as being a landlord, yes, it's a business and there needs to be a yield there. But you always have to remember, it's your house, but that's someone's home. You have a responsibility to them, to their safety, to their well-being. And light is a factor of that. Uh, fire escapes are a factor of that. Fire doors. There's all these things that there's legislation around. You're not held to full legislation on the size of, depending on the size of your HMO, but we tend to go to the full capacity. Because as well as protecting your, your investment, you're, you're protecting your tenants. And for us, that's really important. Absolutely, yeah. So the course that we're launching next year, it will include how to make the most out of your investment, um, getting it right, um, making sure you don't fall, fall over any red tape that's in place. You mentioned, and obviously the council is key for planning permission and, and avoiding costly mistakes. Will you also get councils involved in this course or, or at least provide tips and suggestions to landlords in terms of how to engage with council so that they are on the right track from the start? Yeah, so there is um, a thing called mandatory licensing. So it used to be selective licensing five years ago, but it's now gone into mandatory. What that means is that now every council um, has the same standards for HMO, so the same room sizes. Whereas when we started our venture, five years ago in HMO, selective licensing that was specific to the council. So it's actually a lot more easier now, though still definitely still challenging. Mandatory licensing makes it a lot more sort of clear cut, I'd yeah. say. It doesn't change across councils. And I think, yeah, in answer to your question, Charles, I think we'll have some conversations with our contacts at Peterborough City Council mm. and if we can involve them. I'm sure Peterborough would be eager to come along and maybe just have a have a, bit, a little bit of input just to guide people a bit because he's very hands-on you often see him on uh, ten, road landlords bad tenants i can't remember what it's called <laughs> I, it's a program to do with landlords anyway yeah. but yeah Peterborough city council they've always been they've always been great to us yeah, haven't they absolutely. and any help and advice that we've asked for at the start mid or end of project they've come in and helped us so yeah we certainly will be encouraging people that are more on our courses or people that we're mentoring to to have the council actively involved great so you've been doing this, as I said, eight years, and, and you've got a combination of single lets and HMOs. What are the key contracts that you interact with the most frequently? So mainly, it's uh, for us, it's tenancy agreement. So before a tenant moves in, we have to obviously make sure that a tenancy agreement is completed. 
But along with that, there's also three other forms. So there's the right to rent. So every landlord has to complete that now with a tenant. And that's basically to ensure that the tenant has the, the right to, to live in our country. And if we didn't fill out that form and the tenant didn't have the right, then we could um, be found quite heavily for that. So it's really important that we, we get that um, completed. You don't have to do any investigation about that. By no, the way. no, no, no. Yeah. Just, just they provide you the ID because you're doing your due diligence. Yeah, as long as it's a correct form of ID. Application form and then there's a deposit form as well, which details how much deposit they're paying and where it's been held. But yeah, in terms of the contracts, um, the only one that we really deal with as landlords is a tenancy agreement. And it's so important to have that in place because it protects both tenant and landlord. And more recently, we've started using yourself to send those contracts over to our tenants rather than the old school way of doing it, where I would drive from our house to Peterborough, which is a 35 minute drive to complete a contract. Now we'll just quite simply send the contract and these three forms that I've just discussed through Legislate. And the tenant can just easily complete that on their phone. And I usually have it back within 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. So you mentioned the tenancy agreement is the key contract and now thanks to legislate you no longer need to drive to meet your tenants which i imagine was quite useful when the fuel shortages but when you create your contracts and you're sending them to tenants are there any key objections that they raise with you well i think previously it's not uncommon for us to have tenants that uh, don't have access to printers or scanners so one of our main objections, I'd say probably the only objection we used to get was, oh, I can't print this out and then I can't scan it. I'll sign it electronically, which is why I used to drive 35 minutes yeah. to, to visit them to have it completed, because we found that was quicker rather than sending it over and then getting that objection of I can't yeah. print or I can't edit this document because they haven't got the software or they haven't got a printer to, in order yeah. to Yeah, or they haven't got a, they can't, if we're sending a contract, they're trying to view it on their phone, it doesn't work. And again, that's why for us, your system just works really well for what we do. You've made our life a lot easier, Charles. Really, I mean, you really have. <laughs> that's music to my ears and we're definitely working on a lot of things to take as much admin out of your life. Creating contracts, it will become easier. Transferring data between documents will become easier. And, uh, and making it really foolproof for tenants is something that we work on every day. Obviously, your feedback is very valuable and, and is helping us improve, but hopefully your experience with Legislate will get better even more every day. I've already taken a lot of your time. I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? I think really, in terms of being impressed, it's, it's just the fact that it's user-friendly. You can view it on your phone or your laptop. If you're out and about and it's something you want to get signed and sent back or to answer it from my tenant's perspective, it's it, that it's not clunky, that you, it's well signposted and it's, it's easy to use. I've used various sign, docu signs in the past that have been a little bit clunky. I, I, I regard myself relatively techy and I've come across some that you're like, well, where, what link am I using? Where am I meant to sign this? And it, yeah, I think, and I think that's the problem is when you're signing, when you're doing it on your phone or your iPad and actually what they want you to do is do it on your laptop. Yeah, absolutely. Some of our tenants are not using software on a regular basis with the sort of type of jobs that they have. It's just to make it super easy so we don't get that pushback of, I don't understand it, I don't know where to click. We certainly haven't had that pushback yet, have no, we, since no, using Legislate. No. We, we get it back really quickly. So that's important. We don't want to be spending time on the phone to them saying, right, click here, 
sign here. Uh, we just want that to be seamless. Yeah, seamless is uh, one of our goals at Legislate. Yeah, sp speed and efficiently equals seamlessness. But yeah, we try to, to do that as much as possible. Great. Thank you very much, Charlotte and Phil, for being on the show and sharing a bit of background about your journey, the next projects and building your portfolio. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your education course next year. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time.